for context for anyone listening. So we posted a week from now, but it's also the day after the original podcast was recorded. recorded. <laughs> and we were going to wait a few days to start recording. Um, but I made a ballsy move and started asking people for input on the first recording. And I got some feedback that not only made me really, really angry, but in hindsight, the more I tried to figure out why it made me angry, I realized it made me feel really hurt. One, it was validating exactly why I set out to do this podcast. It was showing some serious light on like the deep and creepy undertones of misogyny and how people deem that I should react to this situation or how I should treat you based on one podcast recording, missing a whole crap load of context and failing to see the big picture, like failing to see that we're in this position and recording this podcast because you destroyed our family. And I think that's the part that really floored me the most was the people telling me that I should stop belittling you or that I should be nicer to you. When in reality, I really didn't belittle you all that much. There were probably some moments and undertones where maybe I said some things that I probably shouldn't have or that would be considered that. And I admitted that I do have a tendency, especially now, because there's so much underlying resentment and there's so much pain that I definitely at moments do. But I also try hard to acknowledge them or I reflect on it later and I apologize to you. And I don't always because sometimes I just miss it or I don't recognize it but I know it's wrong. What I'm not okay with, and the reason we're recording this while I'm still feeling fresh and angry and all of the feels surrounding some of that feedback, is that I think we really need to get into some of the nitty gritty as to what led us here and to dismantle so much of the toxic thought process that goes into some people when they analyze the situation like the people who are worried about your well-being or worried that I belittled you too much like fucking laughable like truly fucking laughable if anybody is worried about your mental state it's me it's always been me it's been me from the start hence me spending years begging you to get help when I knew you needed it more than anything and you telling me it was fine or you brushing it off so for people to tell me that they're worried about your mental state now off of one podcast in the first 30 minutes where I really wanted you to get with the program or because I just knew that you were inadvertently beating around the fucking bush. It's just funny. Like I, it pisses me the fuck off to be honest. <laughs> like I can't tolerate it. It wasn't just you. <clears throat> Cause I, 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 I walked back in the door and you're like, people feel bad for you and they're <laughs> mad at me. And I, I was so confused. I was like, how the hell did we get there? Is anybody mad at you or blaming you? And then you told me that what everyone was saying. I was like, how, how does anybody think this? And then it kind of clicked. And I was like, oh, Cass, are these people making comments after only making it through like the first 30 minutes to an hour of the, the episode? Because if you listen to only the first part of it, yeah, you're going to take things out of context. But then later on, we get to that point where I start talking about how you you supported me for all 10 years. And now now it's just this is the end. You needed to stop. You you feel very emotionally unsafe and unsecure and yeah, I mean, for you to be 
unhinged on social media uh, and while we're doing an interview is I just find it very surprising that people expect you to literally not almost not act that way because I destroyed you for 10 years. That's the part that I think floors me too is like people are expecting me to still find it in me to be gracious and kind to you. I find it ridiculous that you have to almost defend yourself for that for being heartbroken yeah like that's how i feel i feel like i have to defend myself for being fucking crushed like i don't know how else to paint a picture for people to get them to understand that like my family's falling apart and i'm mourning the loss of something that i was so excited to build like i was so committed to this marriage people have asked me why did you stay if it was so bad or if you had so many issues by the time things actually got hard, we were already married at that point. And then I was like, well, fuck, I'm committed to this. Like I made vows and maybe it's just, maybe it's just for now. And for a while, I think I attributed so much of the shit that we were going through your actions back to your substance abuse or like the addictive part of you. So then I was like, well, Maybe if we can really just help get him the help for the addiction part, the rest of this will go away. And I wanted to reason so badly with being fair, you know? Do you do you remember, I think you asked me that the other day. You had asked, um, you were curious to know how much the addiction played, played in. into everything. And I had thought about that, right? And so I made the connection before you asked the question. I was like, Jesus, like there were times where I was sober for like nine months. And even during those times, I was still making shit choices. And so, yeah, the, the addiction, it didn't make it any easier to make good choices. Um, but it was not like the problem. The problem was me. So with that being said, and kind of getting into this next podcast and like the second variation of this, I'm going to set the record really fucking straight. The title of this podcast is Wires Unhinged. Not an ounce of me is going to take it lightly. I'm not going to come into it with kindness. I'm not going to tiptoe around or hide how I feel because I've already been doing that for so fucking long. I'm done pretending that I'm trying so hard to be nice to someone that has made me feel so fucking shitty. And so for the people listening who are expecting me to be so fucking kind to you and so acknowledging, I've already spent a long time acknowledging that you have your mental health battles. I've actually been the utmost respectful of them because I've kept them private, because I supported you when you really, really fucking hurt me, but you hurt my kids eventually. And that's where it became gloves off. Like it used to just be about you and I, but when the action started interfering with the longevity of our marriage and the dynamic for our kids, it was unbarred for me. I was done. Like, so going into this and for anybody listening who seems to have an opinion about how they think I should be acting, you need to keep in mind that I'm the one who got cheated on. I'm the one who's fucking hurt. I'm the one who has to figure out how to put the pieces back together. I'm the one who has to figure out how to heal and learn to trust again and figure out how to be a good partner when I initially came into this relationship being a great partner, I knew how to be a good spouse. I was really, really great at it for the most part. But you lose so much of that over time when someone slowly chips away at your mental health, at your trust, at the general 
stability of your marriage. Yeah. What I, what I did, what I did didn't just hurt you. It, it, it was through a long enough period where I, it changed you. Yes. It, it changed you very much. And I also going back, like someone had mentioned the comment that it made it, you, they thought you were making jokes when I was talking about my mental health and shit that I went through. And I can see to somebody who's also going through mental struggles that that can be really, really insulting. I agree. Um, but what people also need to understand is like, Kat, you have taken my mental health more seriously than I have myself in the last 10 years. And you pushed me multiple times. You even helped to get me into um, some like rehab programs and you you knew I was dealing with some stuff and all you did was try to help. And for 10 years, all you did was try to hold our relationship together while I just kept destroying it. And so for people to say like, you're, you're being um, inconsiderate of my mental health, that, that couldn't be further from the truth. So anyone that's saying like Cass isn't being nice or accommodating or taking into consideration my circumstances you couldn't be further from making the wrong assumptions or the you couldn't be further from the correct assumption. Here's the thing. We ventured into this knowing that we were doing something very publicly and that would come with that would come with pain. It would come with power struggles. There would be a lot of hard parts to that. Um, and we were aware of that. We knew that there there would be some commentary we wouldn't like, right? And that's fine. I just I'm not okay with people trying to change the narrative to make it the female's fault in any way, shape or form or expecting me to always be nice simply because I have a vagina. Well, yeah. And then people started almost blaming you. Correct. And it's like, well, Brett has all these mental health health issues. issues. How fucking dare you? Yeah. Well, and then they, it almost seemed like they were like, oh, Brett has all these mental health issues. How could you ignore this for so long? You were just, you weren't helping at all. You were making it worse. Like that's almost the impression that I got people were thinking of you, which is that's, that's incorrect. Fuck, for, if people wanted 10, to see me make it worse, I could have dropped you on your ass a long time ago oh in my the God, middle of yeah. some of your darkest days and been done. And so the other thing that people were saying is um, they felt like you were being like a little harsh to me um, or mean. And I don't think so. I don't think so at all. I can see where people and, perceive that. I do agree that, sure, if you don't know me or you don't know how I just generally operate, like, yeah, I, I get that. Over the last 10 years. Like yeah. If you don't, if you didn't know about the last 10 years and you listen to that, yeah. Absolutely. I'm in a state now of where we're at with this situation where so much of me dissociates. Even the podcast yesterday, I think I spent so much of that dissociating simply like, I don't know if it was out of not fear, but just so much pain and anger and wanting to be as kind as I could be, despite how much pain I was feeling going through some of those questions. Like people need to remember, I was asking you what it was like to fuck someone behind my back and then expecting me to be nice to you about it. I don't understand how anybody can expect that. Like that floors me because ultimately that is exactly what it was. So it's so fucking inappropriate in my mind for people to like push this narrative on me that I'm belittling you. Like, let's get back to the fucking reality. I think one of the one of the other things that people don't realize is you tried the nice way for 10 years. You tried to help me like in a very caring, loving manner for 10 years and it didn't help me. And 
I, it didn't click with me. And so the only thing that gave me like the eyes wide open, holy shit, my world's turned upside down. I call it the slap. You slapped me hard enough with the- Not a literal slap because everybody's going to think I fucking beat you now or some (laughs) shit. Like, Jesus. Not a literal slap. No, it's like a metaphorical, like like emotional uh, mental slap. And so- that slap for me was you filing divorce. And that, that to me was like the most vicious thing you could do. Um, a lot. And then it kept getting more and more and you just kept letting me know, uh, in a way, in the only way that was left to hopefully make me understand because you tried every single way for 10 years to get me to understand and nothing worked. And so I finally, so much of my shit got in my own way. I, destroyed you our family i heard a lot of other people in in the in the meantime too and it was time for you to give me a brutal awakening of this is what you're doing to me and i have tried to tell you every way i possibly could and nothing's working and so what you did is you filed for divorce and you went on social media and you started posting and you were started to make it public. And I know a lot of people had an issue with that. Oh like my God, everybody and their mother had a it. fucking problem with it. Um, we covered that in the last episode, but what I didn't get to say is what it, what it did for me when you made it public and so public and just transparent is that it forced me to look at myself even faster. Like if you hadn't posted anything on social media it would have made it very very easy for me to just avoid the problems i think you would have lived in denial i would have yeah yeah there was a combination of things that brought me to the point of like seeking my own help that was you know we talked about you know what happened after i cheated and then um like we talked about what i did but what you did was you went to social media and that helped me it did one part that floors me right now is we obviously we had that situation today with a group of people in your life that you care about. And I don't really know the full story. All I know is that there was some hard feelings about this podcast and people, those that group of people thinking that it was inappropriate to talk about it and inappropriate to make it public and some things are better kept private. And what I find the most interesting about it is it's a group of men. It's a men's club who all think that your wife should shut the fuck up about how much you've tortured the shit out of this situation for almost a decade. And that's so fucking funny to me. Now, the other thing is I started getting really, really upset with them because they were trying to give me advice on what I should do to like, to fix my life and fix me. And like it we was, said yesterday, it was getting, it was making me so fucking angry because you're not in my shoes. You don't know yep. what's going on. Have you, like half of them aren't even in a serious relationship. Uh, only one of them is married. I was like, you guys don't know what the fix is. You, you don't know what's going on. You're not in my shoes. Like we talked about yesterday, like unless you've actively lived it and even then it's still not the exact scenario. So stop giving fucking advice. Ask me how you can support me. Ask me what I need from you right now, but don't fucking tell me what I should be doing and do not, do not try to give me X, Y, Z about what you think I should or shouldn't be doing because chances are I don't give a fuck. Well, the other, (laughs) the other thing that, that pissed me off was, um, some of them had like the most recent they had spoken to me was the two months ago. Uh, yeah, about that. It was, it was right 
the week after I cheated on you. Mm -hmm. And so that was at a point where I had no idea what was wrong with me. I was trying to figure it out. I was at rock bottom, freaking out, didn't know what to do. And so that was like the the context that they surrounded on me. And like, it's a month and a half later, I've been doing a shit ton of work on myself. And if you had, I told one of them, I was like, if you had asked me two weeks ago, if you asked me two weeks ago to come on this podcast, I would have said no, because I wasn't in a place to do it. And I wouldn't have asked you two weeks ago. (laughs) And I didn't know (laughs) as much about myself two weeks ago that I know now. I think the hard part for me too, is the insinuation that one of them had made the comment that they know you so well and you've been friends for so long 15 years i hate to break it to everybody but as far as i'm concerned and no one knows you better than i do and even then i still don't think i truly know you because you don't know yourself and that's the biggest problem so for people to insinuate or assume that they know you so fucking well that they should be giving you insight is funny to me. I don't care how long you've been friends. They're not living in the same house with you, breathing in and out the same air as you every day, and they're not raising fucking kids with you. They're not having the deep late night conversations over really hard topics. They're not trying to decide how to save your daughter's life together. They don't know you the way I know you. And that's the bottom line. Like, I'm sick and tired of people telling me, oh, well, what about this or that or Brett? I know ultimately what Brett's limits are. Like I know where your buttons are. I know what to push and when not to. And I know what you can handle. I don't think I would have dished out something that I actually thought would ultimately jeopardize you because we had had a lot of really raw conversations too in moments where I was worried about you in the beginning when I was still hurting myself. Like when I was still actively talking to the chick you had had an affair with, like I was still checking on your well-being. I was asking you, Are you okay? Can you handle this? Is this too much for you? Like, what can I do for you? And I was dying inside. No one was fucking checking on me. No one was fucking, I take that back. There were people checking on me, but everybody was so quick to worry about you. And I thought that was fucking interesting. I didn't, I mean, I kind of understood why we touched on it. Nobody really knows me like you do. So yeah, you're right. Nobody really knows like mentally like what my mental toughness is. I'm a very fucked up damaged person. That's brought a lot of all? damage with me. And that's it's, it's impacted every decision that I make, but it didn't mean that I couldn't handle what you were dishing out as far as making the truth known. Um, and, and yeah, to your point, you did ask me a few times. You're like, how do you feel about it? Ultimately like, in that moment too, I had to ask myself, Whose mental health is more important at this moment, Brett's or mine? Yeah, and you should you should choose you. That was the first time in a long time I chose me, though. I know. I was really proud of you when you did that. And that was really hard for some people to grasp, that it wasn't about like getting even, and it wasn't about like revenge, or it was simply trying to find like a life raft for myself. <laughs> Because I didn't know how else to help myself at that time. I didn't know how else to like bring myself back to earth and how to like center myself because all I could feel was like this deep inability to get out of bed in the morning and be a mom. And I had a six month old and I had a toddler that I was supposed to like fly to New York City and cut her skull open two weeks later. Like there was just so much heaviness to that. And I think so many people seemingly lost sight of the fact that I am a human too and I was hurting simply because instead of taking the approach like you of 
being sad. I had to channel that into anger simply to survive. Like one of us had to step up because obviously you weren't. And the only way I was going to be able to function was if I was mad first and sad second. So. Yeah, it's like, how do you deal with that kind of heartbreak? Like the the person you love most ruined your life. I just. Made you so. We clearly needed to set the record straight because if one more fucking person tells me I should be nice to you. So one thing that I'm (laughs) going to reiterate again is. I'm being plenty nice. We co-parent probably better than anybody at this phase of someone cheating on the other person. Cassidy's being plenty nice to me. Uh, In my honest opinion, she's, this is, I never expected you to be this civil. Um, So like, please everyone shut the fuck up about (laughs) Cass being mean because I don't want to see what that ends up looking like. Yeah, you guys, guys think like stop pushing that narrative. What you guys think is mean, like, mm mm-mm. No, like I've seen mean. I know what I'm capable of. Yeah. And I don't want to be that person. Like I know that my mean side is so fucking unpleasant. and I don't want to be that person. I don't want to. I don't want to be there. And so I really don't love people insinuating that that's what I currently am because I'm not. I'm just I'm here's the thing. I'm a very damaged person in my own way who's trying to find the best way to cope with the situation, the cards I've been dealt. Yeah. And for me, that just channels into a very crass, like difficult space personality and i just i don't know how else to channel it because that's what gets me through the day that's what keeps me functioning able to go to work able to be a mom all the hard parts i mean let's paint this picture for people because they think like you weren't nice over the years and they think you're being really harsh right now but let me just paint everyone a picture so this is what i did to Cass, right so the the i don't know how long it was after we first started dating probably wasn't that long because i'm a piece of shit um Imagine your significant other who is sitting next to you right now or at home, wherever the hell they are. Um, Imagine going home today and finding out that your significant other was texting another guy or girl, right? And you find out about it and you talk it through and he or she, your, your partner makes promises that it's never going to happen again, says sorry. But then what happens afterwards is when they say, sorry, that's it. Nothing happens afterwards other than more pain. Imagine your partner saying sorry to you and then never taking action afterwards and never fixing the problem and then making it again and again and again and again. And so imagine six months later, it happens again. Okay, you go through that process one more time. Six, nine months later, it happens again. And this is going on for you for the next 10 years. Just imagine however long you've been dating your significant other right now. Just imagine it for that amount of time. If you've been dating for a year, imagine that happening every month. I think people are too forgetting that like with each different scenario, the first time you did it, I'll never forget it. I think I had had my brain surgery maybe a month or two prior. And I was already like, I mean, that was a hard point in my life. I was supposed to be in college. I had just had that that aneurysm surgery. And I think I got the epilepsy diagnosis a few months after. And it was a really, really hard point in my life. Like my focus was in a million different places. And I relied on you heavily. Like you were my friend first before we started dating. And that was hard for me to sometimes separate. Yeah. But that came with a lot of heartbreak when you made some of the choices you did. And I think people 
I mean, a lot of people don't know that I've just been through a lot in my lifetime. And some of that either coincided with poor choices on your part or different levels of heartbreak. I mean, and then you pile in the stuff with Elena when that really started getting heavy, like the hard, hard parts of our marriage started happening when we were married, I should say. And at that point, I was in the thick of like raising a medically complex baby and trying to figure out how to navigate that and still try to be a good wife and still try to grow a business. And I felt like I had so many things happening at once that sometimes, honestly, it was just easier to try to forgive you and believe that it truly would be the last time because we had a medically complex kid. I thought that would motivate you to do better. You know, we wanted a second baby so bad because we knew my biological clock was ticking. Like, I always thought that next circumstance would make the that time be the last time. Yeah. You 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 weren't alone in that hope. I know part of you probably did believe that too and I think that's probably why we stayed. I think there were moments where I looked at you and I saw almost two versions of you and I understood the internal struggle you were experiencing. You wanted so badly to be a better person. Yeah. But just ultimately you weren't capable. I, I- it's not that I wasn't capable because with the work that I'm doing right now, I do believe that it is capable. You're right. That's probably to, the wrong word. To like what level of better I get, I don't know what it is. Like at some point it could keep going forever or it just hits a point. Um, I almost forgot what you said. Uh, <laughs> just the internal struggle you had, the power struggle between the version of you that wanted to be better and the version of you that just couldn't. Oh yeah. And you said, uh, you weren't capable. Yeah. And I, and I said, now I know that differently, but like at the time I, you're right. I wanted to change so badly and I was so sick of hurting you and being unhappy with myself too, yeah. but I didn't know how, like literally I didn't, I didn't and fucking I know how. That. And and you tried to help me figure it out all the time. After every mistake that I made, you tried something different or you tried to repeat the same thing in a slightly different manner. You tried every single time to help me. Um, it really fucking sucks that <laughs> I let it get to rock bottom before I took getting help seriously. I feel sad for you because I never wanted it. And I told you, I think a couple of times. You feel sad for me? I feel sad for you. I destroyed you. It wasn't your choice. I never wanted us to be at rock bottom. I think I said that the last few times. I was like, please don't let us get to rock bottom, Brett, because we won't be able to come back from it. And I had begged you to find a way to help yourself because I knew that rock bottom would be such a bad place for us as a couple and individuals. And here we are. So... I think that's probably a good explanation to get started with this second podcast because I know there's a whole laundry list of questions again that people wanted us to get through. And honestly, I'm not in a whole lot of a mood to touch base on some of these, but we will on the ones that pertain. Um, you can just save them for a different episode. Yeah. All right. So let's get into the first one. Cass has mentioned that she's been protecting him in the past in their relationship. In hindsight, what were those red flags? And would you tell your younger self to run from Brett? So we've touched base on some of the shit we've been through. I mean, we've we've gotten into some of the nitty gritty, you yeah. know. Um, and there's like a lot of complexities to that that I just it's so much to go into that I don't even know where to start with it. But ultimately, yeah, there are probably red flags where I I should have I should have walked away big time. Like had some of these really surfaced in the very beginning of our relationship. Absolutely. But some of the heavy stuff didn't come until we were really into the thick of like where we were at. And at some point when you fall in love with someone, especially for someone like me, when I love, I love so heavily and so deeply. 
I love with every ounce of my being. And I also understand that people aren't perfect. So I wanted to give you the benefit of the doubt that maybe it was just a hard thing that we needed to figure out how to work through. Maybe there would be growth for you. I wanted to believe that it would be a growing pain. And I think I said it to you that maybe we'll look back on this. And you know, when, when some of these things happened two, three years ago, I said, imagine maybe we get to one day in 10 years, look back on this moment and be like, damn, we came so far. Like that's what I envisioned for us at that time, because I wanted so much to put faith in the fact that it would get better. So yeah, I mean, in hindsight, the red flags that exist now, I would have ran like fucking hell. There's no way I would have never, ever subjected myself to this. But lesson learned. I mean, there's not much you can do. That's just, that's hindsight. So another question was, Brett, can you talk about why you slept on the couch or spare bed in other areas of your marriage prior to the affair? What was going on then? Same reasons. Same reasons. But do we want to talk about last summer specifically? I don't know. I got us blackmailed. Yeah, I was, uh, went out through an app. For uh, context, I want to give people a clear picture as to where I was mentally at when you chose this route. Sure. Elena was almost dying. I had spent six weeks living in a hospital with her. I had found out at the same time I was pregnant with a baby that we were not expecting. And then I lost that baby about two weeks after Elena was discharged from the hospital, three weeks. Mm-hmm. And what this took place like two months after that, not even. Yeah. Which means that your emotional affair, whatever you were doing at that time, was already happening. Yeah, it had. I, I can't remember back to that specific moment. Yeah. But I'll let you tell the story from your perspective. Yeah. So I went out on an app. Um, one that made it very easy to get attention. And so what happened is I connected with a person, ended up being a fake profile. It wasn't wasn't a real person, someone that was posing as a, a fake profile. And I started messaging back and forth uh, to the point where um, like adult photos were being shared. So like nudes were being back and forth. Um, Sexting, we all do it. Let's be real. I mean, yeah. <laughs> like that's my favorite pastime. You can, t- you can tell like how embarrassed <laughs> I am about it and like just how re- like just really fucked up and embarrassed I am by it. I get Because that, it's hard for me to even But like, I'm not going to, here's the thing. Like, I'm not going to, sh- here's the thing. Two, two pieces of context. I, I don't believe in shaming for sexting because let's be real. Like we did it in our marriage and in our relationship and it's something we loved to do. Like that was a part of like mm-hmm. our sexual relationship, yeah, right? But don't do it with somebody else. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I just mean like, we're not going to shame people for it and you don't need to feel embarrassed by that part. You should feel embarrassed for doing it for someone that wasn't your wife. <laughs> oh yeah. But, um, so I got blackmailed. Where this person you got blackmailed, kind we, of. We got blackmailed. Where this person then somehow like got my IP address and found other social media accounts, and then basically messaged me and was like, "I have these photos. If you don't pay me this money, I'm going to release them to everybody." And they even even said like, "Oh, if you don't if you don't pay me, I'm going to reach out to your wife and tell her." Um, and they actually did. And that's how you found out. And so then that day, like we ended up in the police station for like six hours, just letting them download all the data and stuff like that to find out, you know, if there was any risk. And that was a very dark moment. And that was a new low for me, like standing in the police station, having to explain to the detective that my husband is cheating on me and getting me extorted and blackmailed for money was a new low. The other, the thing that concerned me when I walked in 
is I thought to myself, God, this guy, like small town where we live, right? <laughs> I was like, this will, this is going to be the highlight to this dude's day. And, but I walked in and he goes, yeah, we, we see all this the all the time. I just think that it's those scenarios that people didn't know about. I mean, our like close friends knew because I needed support at that time. Like that was a pivotal point for us where it was hard. Like you, you slept in the basement for a very long time and we were not in a great place. We started couples therapy. There was a lot of really heavy shit that took place around that time that we kept private ultimately, because again, I thought we would recover from it. I didn't think we would get here. Um, but that's the shit that I think people need to keep in mind and just be careful and tread carefully about when they display certain opinions about how they think I should conduct myself because there is years of pain. There. Yeah. Yeah. So based on your previous statements, Cass and reactions, you tolerated Brett entertaining other women before he took it too far. I don't mean in the men in the bedroom, but I mean, what did he do in the past that he got away with? And we've talked about that, but I figured I'd read it just so people know that yeah, I'm not the dodging. Te- the texting, the EAs, emotional yeah. affairs. For both of you, would you say that the saying the first time you got caught isn't the first time it's happened? Is this true for instances like this? I'm just trying to think because like, I mean, I dated Jenna, but then between you and Jenna, I really didn't have, I really didn't date anybody. Yeah, not seriously. Probably. And so I think I, they're referring to the cheating. Yeah, like, yeah I know. That's what I'm kind of getting at. I think they at. mean like in the context that they say a lot of times, like the first time someone catches you isn't actually the first time you've physically cheated. It's just the first time they've caught you. So I think that's what they're alluding to. Oh, so the first time you, the caught first you time you caught me. Yes. Isn't was, actually the first time. What was the first? Okay. Oh, I get the question. Yeah, yeah. They think it wasn't the first time, but when the first time that I went out and texted a different woman, you, you found out about it. Mm-hmm. It was the first time with you was the first time. Okay. So next question, Brett, have you accepted that Cassidy wants to legally separate and not have a future with you? Yeah. I mean, you need out like, yeah, I, it took a while for me to accept it. Like it, it took me a long time to grieve our, our old relationship. And one thing I, I learned through the program that I'm in is there are other guys in this that their wives are threatening divorce, but haven't filed yet. And so, but they, the thing is, is like almost the, they say in order for any relationship to move past any sort of trauma, both parties, both partners need to grieve the old relationship and essentially start anew, mm-hmm. right? It, it, starting anew is kind of like, not really, but you kind of understand what I'm saying. It's like, you have to, you have to take the time to accept what happened and move past it. I think it's hard too, because I have not come close to that. I'm not even close to grieving it i'm not even close to and i think i told you like i think for me it'll come in moments where we sell the home and move out of it and like those are pivotal moments for me that make it feel permanent there will definitely be more moments where where you and i will have to like grieve and re-grieve and stuff like that but as far as like the entire cheating the last 10 years that part i've finally been able to accept 
And one of the reasons that I think I have been able to grieve that before you is because I have this group. And so I did a lot of intensive work around because if I, I couldn't move on or do any work on myself or make any improvements until I grieved that, that old relationship and what I did and, and accepted that I hurt you and, and learned everything that I did to you. So do I accept that you're moving on? Yeah, because I finally understand for 10 years you felt you didn't feel safe, you didn't feel secure in your relationship, and you spent every minute in fear wondering when the next time you were going to be hurt was. And so I realized all of the damage that I caused our family, our relationship, how much I hurt you over the last 10 years, and you need to get out. Yeah. You need to feel safe and secure, yeah. and if that's not me, that's okay. Yeah, I think I'm just, I don't know, not quite there yet. All right, what have you learned through this experience for both of us? You can answer first. Oh, that working on your insecurities is probably the scariest fucking thing you could ever do in your life. I get that, yeah. I mean, it's the place that I have to go to identify, to even just identify the insecurities, that's one thing. But then to work through the shit that's that's damaged my entire life that it's it's dark it's very it's very dark it's not easy um it, it, it's uh, yeah so the one thing that i learned is people need to figure out how to work through their insecurities because it, it'll destroy your entire life they may not be as bad as the one that i had but the longer, also the longer you've been carrying that pain, that trauma, that insecurity, the stronger it's going to have a hold on your entire life and the harder it's going to be to get rid of it. Hmm. So I've got some that I've been carrying around for 20 plus years because I've never done emotional work. Never. It wasn't until three weeks ago that I defined a life purpose for myself or even defined terms to live by or like values or morals. That's fair. I think for me, what I've learned through this experience is that people's opinions are trash. I also agree. Like I've very much learned that there's a, <laughs> a fucked up perception in how women should handle their emotions. Not even that. I just, when you experience like serious life trauma like this, or just like major shifts in the expectation of what you thought would be your life, people and just their general emotional intelligence or lack thereof crawls out of the woodwork so fast like them thinking they know how to handle a situation or what you should do and they've never even come close to living a similar one like fuck off i say that sinceriously it's sinceriously sincerely (laughs) as sinceriously i'm coining that is that a thing sinceriously i'm seriously sincere sinceriously i'm coining that i like it i'm just kidding I just think that that is immensely fucked up because I, if there's anything I've learned in my lifetime, it's when to shut the fuck up about other people's shit. Like if I haven't, like I said, lived it, learned it, tried it, anything, I've, you just need to be quiet. Just shut the fuck up. But then I've also learned that the least intelligent people typically coincide with over opinionating themselves. So yeah, or are also damaged themselves. It's just like, stop talking. I The amount of people who just felt the need to tell me how I need to cope or what I should be doing and they haven't stepped in my shoes, 
laughable at this point. You got a lot more of that than I did because I didn't. I didn't enlist this. I think people media are army. a little bit I, not even that, but I think people are fucking floored by a female who's so openly public about her anger and her pain and all of it. I think people are just don't know what to do with that. And well, why do you think people are floored by it? I think they're uncomfortable. Why? Because it either one forces them to check the narrative that they think that they've been under the impression of or the misogyny or the patriarchy and everything that coincides with that. All of the things that come with oppressing women's emotions and making it the forefront of blame for situations. What do you think is the number one way that women's emotions are suppressed? Hmm. I think it's a double-edged sword, actually. I think it's one of two ways. I think it's when people blame women's emotions for the end result of very hard situations. So i.e., for example, this. People are blaming me for being mean. XYZ mean, yeah. whatever, you know. And the only reason we're in this position is your actions. Right. So it's funny how quickly people are to still try to blame the female. On the same token, I think that I feel like it probably you're doing anonymous questions, but I'm going to assume most of the suppression comes from men. I think occasionally there are some underlying tones that I sometimes catch hints of that I assume are probably female. Do you feel like social norms are starting to teach women to, to suppress their emotions? It's always been that way. Oh my God. That's the, that's the, think about it. Think about how many women have stayed in such damaging and abusive relationships because they didn't know any better and thought they were stuck. Well, I'm also thinking about it as far as career wise too. In, in order to like sometimes have a really high career position, you, you have essentially, to be disconnected, dissociative. Yeah, you have to, you literally have to ignore all of your emotions because you have to make decisions that are going to hurt people. Yep. I think it's just, it's interesting because women are always deemed the more emotional and weaker species. And I mean, here's the thing there's nothing wrong with being emotional. I, majority of the things I do is probably based on emotion. Mine just happens to stem into anger most of the time. <laughs> yeah. Well, all right. So Brad, have you started seeking mental help? Yeah. Yep. I have my own one-on-one psychologist who specializes in family dynamics and addiction. Uh, and then I also have the, uh, the group that I'm in. Best way I can put the group is it's, it's kind of like a college course with a fraternity minus all the partying and AA combined all in one. So someone actually asked today, um, if you'd be willing to share the group you're in or the name of it just for the sake of resources, like if we'd be willing to compile. Oh yeah, absolutely. I would be willing to, to share the name of the group that I'm in. Um, the only thing that I want to caution though, if I do share it with you is I ask that anybody is that's interested in it, um, reach out me, reach out to me directly. Um, cause there's a lot of things I should let you know about it. Um, specifically like this program comes into play when your relationship reaches a point of one person is completely checked out and does not want to work on the relationship anymore. Um, and so like the group referent calls that the slap, like a metaphorical mental slap, like something happened. Um, and you are now at the point where, yeah, your partner is done. Um, I'm specifically speaking men who join the group, your, their partner is done and wants nothing to do with them. And so essentially their relationship is in the stage of it's over. 
right? And so that's the stage that most men come to this group. So if you're a woman and you're asking for more information on the group, your relationship is in the stage prior to the stage that most men come and seek this group out. Um, and there is, there is a way, um, to kind of manufacture, blah, blah, manufacture, uh, the slap, like an artificial mini slap. Uh, if you, if you're still in that stage and you, you think that this is something you want your husband to do, uh, we can talk about that and I can, I can help you do that. I can also talk to some of the guys in my group, um, and, and discuss with them, like, what's the best way you know, to get a guy to really consider this group, if your relationship is not at the point of, you know, your wife or your partner is just completely checked out, doesn't want anything to do with you. Um, so with that being said, if anybody does want information, um, go ahead, send Cass a direct message. Um, you can also reach out to me on any of my social media accounts. Um, and yeah, and I have a, a referral link. I'll talk to you about it some. Uh, and then, yeah, Cass can either give you my information, my personal number, or she can just give you the link as well. Um, so yeah, absolutely. I'm not going to be a gatekeeper. All right. So the next kind of section we'll just jump into. <laughs> okay. This one's heavy. Brett, do you believe that Cassidy is your soulmate? Yeah. And I fucked her life up. Like, Aside from that, I we've already talked about this actually. I, I asked you, do you genuinely think that I'm your soulmate? Like, part of me really deeply wonders if you can truly fuck your soulmate the way you did me, or it's just the impression you were under. Do you know what I mean? I feel like I can't breathe with when I'm without you. Like, is that um, codependence? You think? No, no, it's not the code. I used to maybe think it was, but now that I've been working on. Uh, self-confidence and internal validation. It literally is like a piece of my soul is missing. It's almost like the way that I feel about you being my soulmate is that when we met, like my soul talked to yours and yours talked back to me. And it was like my soul had found it, uh, the piece of it that it was missing for a long time or didn't know that it needed. And now that it, my soul has experienced yours, it's, it's my soul right now is just in pieces and shattered and torn because it hates me so much for destroying the, the one thing in this world that it was able to connect with and love. Hmm. That's heavy. Yeah. And it's hard to hear. I heard a song the other day that was like, talked about like how hard it was to just find somebody to love. And then the song continued, it continued on and, and the lyrics went something like, yeah, you think that's hard? Try finding them and then losing them because it was your fault. Hmm. That's hard. That is a different variation I didn't think of. Oh, this is part of me that's dissociating right now. I can feel it. Like just why are you trying to dissociate right now? I'm not even trying. I just am. I think it's just I'm sad and the pain is heavy. What are you dissociating from? I have no fucking idea. What emotion are you feeling right now? Sad. Very sad. Why are you feeling sad? It was a long day. The kids were exhausting. <laughs> and I just I don't know. 
What has you sad right now? Um, I think, I mean, hearing the soulmate answer is hard because I think we've always thought that we always had that very deep, like separate connection outside of, like I said, we used to compartmentalize certain parts of our grouping, who we were, our marriage, our friendship, parents, be or being parents, I should say all of it. Like we separated that. Can you hear the dog? <laughs> That's Ago for sure. He's like doing his like turkey call. <laughs> his dreaming turkey call. Literally sounds like a turkey. Literally. I always love when they do that. I just think that it's hard to hear that because I've, I've so mentally separated so much of that over the years. Um, <laughs> okay. I have to go like he's dreaming. I have to go <laughs> wake him up because... <laughs> Okay, no more turkey sounds. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. It's hard. We've always compartmentalized the different facets of our relationship and being soulmates was one of those pieces. And I mean, the way we got along and just the way we understood each other on a very weird, deep level, the way we were able to communicate for the most part. Can I ask? Can I ask you a question? I know I didn't submit it to Instagram, but can I ask you a question? (laughs) Fine, I guess. So we've kind of had the soulmate conversation before. Yeah. And... I was able to give you similar answers, but I don't think I had reflected on it quite as much. And so the answer I gave you right now is a little bit different. So from then past to now, I see that this answer kind of affected you a bit differently. I'm just curious as to why. It's always hard to hear. It just depends on the day. Okay. I don't know. The pain isn't always linear. Some days I'm more passive and able to just handle things differently. And some days I'm burnt out and I'm tired and I'm overstimulated and things are heavier or I'm getting my period or like all the things that come with just like the highs and lows of emotions and that they're not always the same day to day. So, so it was a a combination of you were feeling um, the entire day and you were feeling, you know, just the conversation of talking about soulmates. Very much. All right. So, do you think cheating is something that can be worked through for either of you? I was, it's hard to say because the only time I've been cheated on was by my high school girlfriend. Yeah. And like I worked through it with her, um, but there was a lot less at stake. And so... I don't know if it made it easier or if I put in less effort to work through it. Cause I mean, eventually, right. We broke up. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, um, <laughs> the little chuckle. do you think it's possible to work through? Mm-hmm. This is the first time you and I are in this position. So I don't know. Not the, me. Well, for me, I don't, this is the first time I've ever cheated on anybody. Um, fucked up that it happened for 10 years straight and ended this way. So can I work through it? Uh, I have to work through my flaws and my insecurities and shit like that. But I think the question is more is like, can the relationship work through it? I've honestly never been in a relationship that I haven't been cheated on in. So I don't know any different. So your answer then would be no. 
I mean, I've stayed in most of them. I think the more we talk, the more I'm having like this really weird, deep internal reflection of just like how fucked I am, like just how fucked up I am. And just why? Because you're, you're, you're giving past relationships credit for. No, not at all. I think I'm just like slowly piecing together, like how much I need to figure out and work through to be an actual healthy person, person, parent, partner, (laughs) all of it. I just. I don't think I could fathom being in a relationship again because I'm so not tolerant and I'm just. Did you go into our relationship feeling any bit like that? Not to the extent I feel now. No. So a little bit though. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. But I came into it with a different approach. It wasn't like the hell hath no fury or like the woman scorned feeling. I came into it hopeful. Like you probably, so you came in. What I'm hearing is that you came into the relationship, right? Hopeful. Yeah. And what that might've looked like was, Hey, I'm going to give this guy a shot yep. until he breaks my trust. And then it's, yeah, he's just like everyone else. And not even that, like the first time you broke my trust, it's like, you know what? Maybe it's just this one time thing. Like maybe it's just a weird hiccup and we'll, we'll work through it. You know? And I, I, back then I blamed like my brain surgery and all the really heavy things we were experiencing in a very early intimate part of our relationship because we only had been dating a few months, right? Yeah. And so I blamed that for being just like too much for the average 23-year-old dude, you know? In your past relationships when you were cheated on, did you justify it the same way? How did you justify like being cheated on? Because right there you were telling me the first time I texted somebody, you kind of blamed the circumstances around our relationship rather than blaming you or I. Yeah. And so I'm just curious as to what your thought process was like in past relationships when, when that happened. I'm not even sure, actually. I don't think I've taken the time to think about it or figure it out. So I don't know. I'd have to like sit back and reflect on, and those were so long ago and so minuscule in the grand scheme that I'm not even sure I could remember, to be honest. But that's something I probably should figure out. <laughs> yeah. Cause I remember you telling me that like when other past boyfriends had cheated on you, it was just like one day you woke up and you were just done. Yeah. And that explains like how it comes, came about, but it still kind of leaves me questioning what were you feeling? Yeah. Like, right. Done is the action that came after what Correct, you were feeling. But it wasn't the feel. Yeah. The feeling. <laughs> the <Yeah>. feel. <laughs> All right. Are you going to try to work things out after taking a separation break? That, 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 are you expecting me to answer that? Because I, that's not my decision. What I can do is I can decide to work on myself right now. And, but my motive behind it isn't to get back together with Cassidy because I know how much I damaged her, how unsafe and unsecure she felt. And like, I haven't, um, I would say sorry all the time and I haven't, right. I might be working on myself right now, but it's going to take a lot of time and a lot of work for me to make a permanent change. And I have a lot of permanent changes that need to be made. Um, so like, do you think we'll work? I have no idea if we're going to work through it after taking a break. I mean, legal separation isn't exactly a break. I mean, that's, (laughs) that's, it's a pretty, uh, pretty official document that you sign (laughs) like it's not like hey just move out for a little while literally um so i don't know the answer to that question because i was i think i voiced prior on social media how i feel about permanent-esque answers about the future i'm not comfortable with them because ultimately i don't know 
what the future holds. I don't know what I would do in five years, right? And I don't like to feel like I have to predict it or, or give a definitive answer to anything because I hate eating my own words. So I, I do not do that because I don't like how it feels if I'm fucking wrong. So I'm very careful about how I address that. So I don't I don't know because I don't know what the future will hold. Yeah, and the reason that I'm not giving an answer anymore because I bet you could what do you think I would have done three months ago? Ask that question. Same thing. You would have Same gaslit what? the shit out of me to try yeah. to make me believe otherwise. Yeah. I would have told you a bullshit answer because yeah. I wanted you to believe or Absolutely. like trick you into just being curious and like, oh, maybe, maybe, maybe. But no, Correct. I needed to tell you this time, like, hey, I don't have an answer for that. Yep. Um, this one kind of follows suit. Any chance of reconciliation in your marriage? What would it take for that to happen? I think right now the reconciliation that's happening is just us both grieving, moving on from what happened and being good co-parents. Yeah. I think our primary focus for both of us right now is co-parenting. That, that is right now is just both of us healing and grieving from the past relationship. And uh, the next step is, is I think self-reflection, self-work, at least for me anyways. Do you both believe you could fix your marriage and create a deeper bond and come out stronger than ever? Soulmates can hit rock bottom and still come out successful. Hmm. Depends. Depends on the choices that you and I make moving forward. Yeah. Every single choice that comes our way could send us down a different path. Correct. I think the hard part for me right now is there's so much damage and so much heartbreak and just years of underlying turmoil and the same repetitive patterns yeah and there were certain things that i had told you would permanently damage me if you made the same action in moments of deep vulnerability for me yep and i did that yep so yeah i repeated it yeah i think that was that's a hard one for me i say i almost say like when i just caught like the tone of my voice there when i said i repeated it it almost sounded like i was cocky but what was really there was anger. I could feel it, but it's I not, it's not towards you. No, just it, the situation. I think, no, it's anger at me. That's fair. It's, it's being angry at myself. <sighs> wow. I'm fucking exhausted. <laughs> was cheating always a deal breaker. Do you feel if the roles were reversed, would Brett file for divorce right away or try to work it out? We answered this question last time. Did we? We'll skip that. Fuck that. Scratch that. What role do you think social media plays in cheating? Is it possible these days to have a successful marriage given how accessible people are? (laughs) I think it is possible because I think we know married couples that have made it possible with having a social media presence. But then the other flip side. There's always a survivor bias. So, Well, and then the other flip side of that is we don't know what's going on inside of their life. All we see is the outside picture that they let us see. And this is true. And that's exactly why we're here to abolish that because I can't fucking stand it. I think social media makes it very, it's very a highlight real. Well, social media makes it very, very easy for people to cheat on each other. Absolutely. The accessibility is what they're talking about. Like just how easy it is. Having, having a lot of people accessible to you and you not needing to go anywhere to yep. get access to them is is very dangerous because that's what made it possible for me I to keep going. I remember joking like a year ago that I was going to get you a flip phone. You should have. I fucking regret I having done that. I was 
such a fucked up person and you would have found a way uh, i'm just kidding. yeah i would have needed so validation so badly i would have found a way baby if there's will there's a way all right do you think okay this is gonna get spicy because this is like the dying questions people have about the threesome situation do you think adding thirds or other people into your sex life had an effect on why you had an affair no no it was never about sex for me no not at all it was never about sex for me. Like me having affairs. How many times did I have texting affairs? Correct. And like I would have them even without exchanging nudes with people. And it no, was. No, you literally just wanted someone to stroke your ego. Yeah. That's like a mean and the way other, to put it. But well, the other thing is if you like take pictures of the women that's I was. That's belittling you. Hold on. I'm sorry. That's that's belittling you. I gotta be nice about it. You just wanted someone to make you feel better. Yes, I did. <laughs> And so, but like, sorry, I'm a bitch. But like, if you, if someone goes, oh, well, did he have a type? It was, you know, what was the woman look like? It ranged. There was no type. It, there was if all. If it was female, it was good. Yeah. If it gave me validation, it ran with it. So. Yeah. No. Adding thirds into our sex life had no effect on why we had the affair because you were already doing that long before the third situation. It didn't even matter one way or the other. Correct. And I, it didn't stem me to want to cheat. So. <laughs> No, there wasn't anything that made it. It didn't make it easier. Wait, hold on. This question's good. Is it really cheating if you've already slept with another woman in your marriage? Yep. Oh my God. Just tell me that you're. Yeah, it is. It's a shit. Dance without telling me. Yeah. Yes, it's still fucking cheating. Like the thing about the third situation for us is that, and we could do an entire podcast about this, is that there were strict and clear boundaries and guidelines as to what that looked like. Yeah. Anything that didn't follow that that guideline or that boundary was cheating. I mean, one thing that people also need to understand is before we did that, you and I had conversations about it for over a year year before we before ever. we even both felt like okay this is something that won't get into the way of our relationship like there's clear boundaries that are established but we also realized so, that it came and from I a didn't, place of like here's a thing for us too it came from a place of it was and it was like an exploratory thing that made us closer actually yes in some ways it enhanced our sex life it made us just better so there's a like i said that's a whole different podcast in itself i can't remember exactly way back when when we first started talking about it um i remember did, exactly when it was who brought who uh, did i bring up the idea or did no it you? was me because it was that specific girl oh now i remember yes yep okay i was holding back a burp oh <laughs> <laughs> it was that specific girl though that made me want to explore it and we had talked about and had like some weird interesting conversations that made it interesting or like forefront yeah but that's what did it so was it weird to have sex with another woman with your spouse there i'm not sure i could get off with my spouse there maybe this is just a stigma question mark <laughs> uh, i don't know whether that's a guy or a girl that asked that question uh, that could be either one was it weird weird no it was a lot of fun yeah i was saying like it floated my boat <laughs> yeah no i think one of the most fun parts about it was seeing how much you were enjoying it yes like i think that's that was where it stemmed from too was like your willingness to let me figure it out and i think people are shook by the fact that there's like an entire life style and just a whole realm of the world that does this this is not abnormal it's just not widely talked about yeah so 
What are your thoughts on open relationships? Do you think that could have been something you did instead of flat out cheating? What about having the talk ahead of time and it being sanctioned and okayed by each other? Cassidy, would you have been okay with an open relationship? So ironically, this is an idea that we explored, what, probably four or five years ago? Yeah, it was after I made a mistake. Are we calling them mistakes? Choices? I keep keep calling them mistakes. Yeah, it was after I made an an emotional texting affair choice. We visited the idea, um, decided it did not work for us. (laughs) And only one side of us visited it, a.k.a. Brett. (laughs) Um, And we realized it was just not... I didn't even like it. Like the thing is too is like had I actually explored it, I think you would have dropped dead. Like our relationship would have ended because you would have fucking keeled over. I probably would have. <laughs> and the other thing that made me realize this is that like I had zero confidence and couldn't internally validate. So like the idea of like I was not comfortable or confident enough in our own relationship to You would like, have fucking dropped dead. Yes. I would have yeah. Um, but no, so it's not something we were okay with because for us, sex was an experience together and that was the problem. Like yeah. us introducing thirds or that kind of thing was something we were experiencing in unison and that made it acceptable for us and something that yep. we liked. But it was because we were together and it was still something that we were deeming a want. Um, What was both your parents' reactions to finding out you have had sex with other partners during your marriage? I have no idea. I haven't talked to my parents about it. Just bless their souls. I think your parents would fucking, they would die. I'm so afraid of, I'm sure they'll hear this podcast. I mean, did you tell your parents? I think my sister told my mom because that's just Kelsey. Shout out to fucking Kelsey. I think my mom knows and my dad wouldn't give two rats ass. I just, my dad is like the most open and accepting person I've ever met. I mean, both, both your parents are very like realistic to what the world holds mm, i think my mom struggles with it more sometimes but i mean your dad's been around the block not, yeah and not i mean your dad he's just a knows cool about the real world just, that's what i mean I, what i mean by around the block is your dad is just not i think naive. he's just like he's one of the most accepting people there is he just if it floats your boat and it's not gonna harm anybody he doesn't give a shit yeah and kelsey my sister is the most unbarred human i've ever met so i'm sure she's told my mother i know she's told my mother she told me she told my mother so sorry mom Kelsey the fuck. <laughs> um so yeah, it, it is what it is. Um All right, now on to the kids. People want to know about how we plan to explain this to our kids when they're old enough to understand. And so many people, and if I have to hear this question one more time in passing, not this one, but what if your kids find out about this one day or what if they hear these podcasts? Isn't that the idea? That's the fucking idea. Yeah. Like I get that we come like our generation specifically comes from a generation where secrets were the only way the world went round. Like the only way families functioned and people maintained their image was by that perfect constant, like nothing is ever wrong and our kids can never know mentality. Let's be real. All that did would raise was raise all of us to be some of the most damaged and emotionally traumatized adults there is. And I wasn't necessarily raised in that type of household. So that's a little bit hard for me because my parents did come from a background of open honesty when the time was right. 
So meaning when we were of age to understand certain situations, they talked to us about it. But I think it also helped my sister and I develop into, for the most part, emotionally sound adults. I mean, we have our shit, don't get me wrong, but I think her and I are both a little more intuitive than a lot of people we know um, and are able to kind of like recognize certain situations differently. So I think that there was a benefit to that. But I ultimately just believe that I want my kids, our kids, to learn from our experiences. I want them to be able to hear where we fucked up and why we fucked up and how it felt. And I want them to see also how we've learned to heal from it, too. I think that's such a huge facet of this experience is that one day we will heal from it. We will figure out a way to co-parent and get along. And I want them to see that version of us as well. So. That's the point. We want our kids to know. We plan to sit down and talk to them when they're of age to understand how we got here. So there there are going to be a lot of hard conversations. And we've talked about how to rope in a therapist to that to make sure that we're doing it appropriately. And that meets their emotional and just age needs. And it'll be complicated, but we'll figure it out. So. Like the one, the one thing that I want to make sure that we do and yeah, everything that Cassidy just said, I'm fully on board with um, because her and I have had, I don't know, hours worth of conversations just around like what we're going to do with the kids when they get older, when's the right time to tell them, are we going to tell them this and that? So everything that Caster said, I'm, I'm very much on board with. The only thing that I would like to add is if I've made mistakes in my life, And I've also learned how to get past them or through them or learn how to um, heal trauma. Why would I keep that a secret from my kids? Like why, why would I, you know, if I made a mistake and learned from it, why would I let my son go and make the same mistake when he could just learn from me? Or if he makes the mistake, at least learn from me how to fix it. Yep. I just, I want them to learn from our mistakes. I want them to know that we're not perfect people. I don't want to paint them a picture of the world that isn't realistic. Correct. Like, I just, we're not perfect. You know, often I look at my kids and I say, I'm sorry. Like, Elena today was so difficult. I was so overstimulated. and I snapped on her. Like, I, I was like, Elena, stop, please. And she cried. It really hurt her. And it took me a second to calm down. I needed to walk away. But I came back and I was like, I'm sorry. That was mean of me. I yelled at you and that wasn't fair. I just, I want them to know that we're not perfect fucking people. I hate that. I just, oh, I can't stand it. Yeah. All right. This one's good. You make a very conscious decision to cheat. You know what you're doing is wrong and you know it would break your family apart. So why not get help before the action? Hmm. I had been getting help in one way or another. I mean, I was also in therapy for several years prior to, to all this happening Um, so I don't know, just the help I was getting wasn't right. I agree. I just don't, yeah, I think it wasn't right. I think that in a very deep format, you just weren't in a place to want it or actively pursue it either. Yeah. I also didn't, wasn't able to accept the mistakes that I had made, accept the choices that I had made. How are you going to address this with Elle? The best thing a dad can do is love their mother. So how do you explain to her that she shouldn't tolerate anything but the best from her partner in the future? She'll learn that through action, through what I do after this. Yep. I think she'll learn from me leaving. I think she'll learn from the conversations we'll have with them one day. She'll learn by what we do next. Action. Yeah. 
This one is interesting. Well, we will also talk to her about it. Correct. Like again, full transparency with everything that yep. happened, including emotions and feelings and Correct. how we got through it. Brett, how would you handle your kids not wanting to speak to you when they're older and fully understand? It, it, oof. I'm going to chime in on this one. Well, because I think a huge part of the way kids perceive their parents is painted by the other parent. Yeah. And I think that it's also up to me for our kids to see that I'm coming from a place of forgiveness eventually and that I'm coming from a place of love and acceptance and that I want them to know that I've healed and that it's okay to love you and forgive you and that it was a hard part for everybody, but it's not something that we all need to spend forever dwelling on. You know what I mean? Yeah. And ultimately too, their choices are going to come from, like you said, the actions you take. If you take the wrong ones and continue the same patterns, I I can't guarantee how they're going to feel about you because I'm also going to be openly candid about how I feel about those actions. If you continue them as well, Yep. regardless of whether or not it's with me or another partner, you can't set that tone for them. So my answer for, yeah, for it, um, can you read the question one more time? You went off. How would you handle your kids not wanting to speak to you when they're older and fully understand? Oh man. Yeah. I mean, it would just hurt. And that's the biggest, one of the biggest fears I have in the world right now. Um, if they didn't want to talk to me and if I'm not making shit choices and you are being a very good co-parent Cassidy and they still didn't want to see me, I would understand because they're, of course they're going to be angry with me at some point for what I did um, and splitting up the family. Right. But at the same time, I recognize that at some point they're going to feel that pain, that anger, and they're going to have to grieve too. Yep. So I just, yeah. All right. Will either of you ever get remarried? Probably not. Yeah. It doesn't interest me more so because marriage is, and I've always thought this, it's kind of an, I mean, and it's, it's an institution, you know? And one of the big reasons we got married is because we wanted kids really bad. And we knew that that would be frowned upon to have kids outside of marriage. Um, but I didn't think the marriage part was necessary. <laughs> you what? I didn't think the marriage part was necessary. I didn't think it was. Didn't think. What do you mean? Didn't think the marriage part was necessary. To having kids. We did it partly because it wouldn't have been approved of by family. Wait, so are you telling me you never wanted to get married? <sighs> I think I knew that, that came with me. I mean, I'm a family. I'm a kid of divorce. So. Yeah. And I knew what that looked like. But what what I'm hearing from you, and if I'm wrong, you need to correct me. What I'm hearing from you is that you uh, said yes to my proposal, but you really didn't believe in marriage. It's not that I didn't believe in it. I think every female wants to get married. Like that's kind of the dream, right? And that's something we all desperately want. And... I think that I knew the risks that would potentially. Don't don't explain it logically. When I proposed to you, how did you feel? Was there a part of you that didn't believe in marriage and felt like you should have said no? I won't resent you if that's the truth. No, I don't think so. I think I was a giddy girl who was super excited to be engaged and was happily in love with you and 
wanted the big white wedding and all of the things and but I was also deathly afraid of the idea of divorce. I mean, I get it too because it mortified me. Well, also because before we got engaged, I had already been hurting you in that vicious cycle. I think it mortified me, the idea of divorce. I just, that to me felt like such a huge failure. And I hate setting myself up for failure. And by getting married, there's the potential for failure. You know, I think that I just, I didn't want to set myself up for failure. And I knew that by getting married, there was potential for failure there to get divorced. So that was hard for me. Still, it's very hard for me. Brad, can you talk about building your home and now being able to not live there come spring when we sell? Yeah, it sucks. I worked really hard to build this home with you. We make it feel homey. We love this home, actually. Yeah. And we will fall far when we sell it. That's for sure. Yeah. It makes me really, really sad. Me too. So, um, let's see. (laughs) This one is fucking golden. Do you regret getting a vasectomy now that you're getting out of a relationship with Cass? No. (laughs) Do you realize how misogynistic the undertone of that question is. Yeah, because they're blaming you. They assume that, that I made you get one. Yeah, no, I wanted one. I didn't. I, I don't want more than two kids. <laughs> it was so funny. Like the undertone to that is like, oh my god, she made you snip your nuts, and now you can't procreate with everything that walks. I mean, whatever if, are you going to do? Do people not know that vasectomies are reversible? Shut up. That's just validating the point. The point is that simply you were the one who also did not want any more kids. Correct. Like that's the bottom line. You got a vasectomy because Mm -hmm. we both did not want more than two kids. Yeah. And even if I didn't have the vasectomy, what I don't want is I, I never really, like I started thinking about divorce, right. And like moving on and like all the possibilities of what could happen in the future, you getting in a relationship, more kids, me relationship, more, whatever. And I was like, okay, what do I want and not want? Or what am I okay with and not okay with? And one of the things I'm not okay with is my kids having step siblings or me having siblings yeah. or half siblings. And like, Almost feeling like, right, because that could create the scenario of like, oh, well, fuck, dad didn't like our family good enough, so he went out and had another one. Yep. I don't want more kids, period. I don't care who it is. Like, whoever my next partner would be in any way, shape, or form would have to be okay with me not wanting more kids. The other thing is the, like, people need to understand that I'm not making that decision solely based on how my kids are going to feel. That's also a decision that I I am making for me. I don't want three kids. kids. Yeah. Yeah. I just like two was enough. I like the undertone of this question is fucking funny. All right. Brett, what are your addictions? You don't have to answer this if you don't want to. I mean, there's two to weed and booze. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's important for people to understand. So many people say, how can you be addicted to weed? I think it's important to note that you're just an addictive person. And so for you, I think it was accessible and it allowed you to escape your reality and it allowed you to suppress feelings. So I think people, when they think about weed is chemically, right? It's less addictive. When you stop, you don't really have withdrawals and stuff like that. But what is it? So chemically, 
I will agree it's not addictive, but the feeling that I get, my brain gets addicted to that feeling, that dopamine release, that it's like a weird form of external validation for me. I think it's also an escape for you. And you uh, you were addicted to that escape. Yeah, it was a really, it's a great way for me to numb and ignore all of my emotions. And remember, I can only feel happy from outside sources. So I had to silence (laughs) the inside as much as I could. Yeah. That makes me sad for you. It makes me sad for me too, because maybe had I not learned that a substance could help me avoid my emotions, maybe I would have dealt with them a bit more properly, felt them and instead of hiding from them and letting them turn into trauma. I remember spending so much time asking you, like, let's talk about it. You know, how can I help you? Or, you know, how are you feeling? And I don't even, it was sad because in some moments I realized you couldn't even address it yourself. And that was heartbreaking because you didn't even understand it. I mean, I remember times, I said this in the last episode, we would have conversations and you would ask me questions and you would, you were kind of expecting or hoping that I would answer the question in a way that was like talking about my feelings and my emotions and like you having to literally be like, no, Brett, what emotions are you feeling? And then I remember the first time that you, you asked me that. And I think I sat there and I stared at the fucking ceiling for five minutes because I was like, I feel things, but I don't know what the fuck they are. Like I couldn't identify simple emotions other than anger, sadness, and fear. Like going beyond that. (laughs) Like like, survival emotions. (laughs) Yes. So like guilt, fear, or or like guilt, remorse, shame, unlovable, um, ugly, like all of that understood. Yeah. Appreciative, empathy. Yeah. Even positive emotions I didn't understand. I couldn't identify them. Right. Yeah. So when you bought Damien and Elena, the little kids chart that has faces on it and it's got all the emotions under there i actually like looked at it a few times i was like oh shit i didn't that's an know emotion. that's an emotion yeah oh last three questions how does it feel for both of you to be single now after almost a decade i hate it same i'm exhausted i started doing the, like the dating apps thing simply to like i don't know if it was to make myself feel like repulsed or to see if there was hope out there, but oh my God, it's like the most defeating feeling in the world. I just. Yeah. Well, watching you do that stuff, dude, I I can't begin to imagine what it was like for me, for you to have me cheat on you, but like, I understand it in a different way because I watched you go out on some dates and talk to other men and, you know, my mind went down that Alice Alice's rabbit yeah. hole. So I think it's harder for t- but, for you too because I've been so loyal in the, yeah. the entirety of the time we've been together that for you this is like a new adjustment. Where for me, it's like not the first blip in the bucket. It's not even. It's like the tenth or eleventh. Well, so it's also really hard because my soul is going. There's my other half, and it's walking away with with somebody else and another potential soul it could connect with. And like that's fair. I, I mean, I mean, goddamn like the the fear the way that that feels is i'm sure that'll be hard for me too like when it's time for you to move on and find a new relationship and like it's always been so superficial for you and i've always known that in the back of my mind but like actually having to watch you form a connection and fall in love eventually will be hard um do you guys feel like you fell out of love no i'm i want to i didn't I definitely didn't. 
I never there stopped were, loving you, but was I becoming more unhappy in our relationship? Absolutely. Yes. And what did I do? I blamed you for it. Absolutely. I mean, I did too. The more we repeated the same cycles where nothing got better, it became harder. Like you, I felt like I was never being heard, but I never fell out of love with you ever. Yeah. For Not ten, even close. 10 years. You just wanted to fix it. There was even moments like where things were really hard at the end, like leading up to you cheating and around that time. I think I even remember telling you, like, I remember looking at you and saying, I know this is a really hard segment of our marriage right now. I know that. Yeah. And I recognize it. And I, we talked about it or I thought we understood it. And I just said to you, I said, but it won't last forever. It's just, there's a lot happening for us right now. And we just have to power through. We'll get back to a good side once this is over. And that was just me speaking from a place of Damien being a hard age and Elena's surgery coming up and there was so much PTSD for us. So I think it was all of that. All right. Last one. Not even a question. <laughs> this one is not a question. It says, look into each other's eyes and kiss and tell us what you feel after. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have an idea who sent that? Yeah. <laughs> okay. I only know because she literally messaged me and she's like, that was me. I'm like, okay. So. You want to try it? <laughs> <laughs> I like how eager you are to be like, you want to try? <laughs> Why do I feel nervous and awkward? What? I don't know. I just feel awkward. Are you can? Are you contemplating trying right now? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like partly wondering how it would make me feel, but I'm like nervous. <laughs> And it'd be awkward. Uh, I want to eat my pizza. I'd want to eat pizza too. <laughs> but someone just asked the question that I, if that happened anywhere in the future before I die on my deathbed, <laughs> I'd be a happy man <laughs> just for you to try and see what happens. <laughs> Is that your way of trying to get me to try? No, I'm letting you know that you can wait 60 plus years and I'll still be a happy man if it comes my way. I don't think your next wife would appreciate that. Well, I'd have to get married first. So and I told you I don't want to do that. All right, let's do it. This would be a good end note. Oh, we're actually going to try? Yes. we got. I want to know how you feel after. Okay. I'm nosy. Laughed and spit in my I'm face. Sorry, I, I didn't mean to spit. It was like the okay. We'll do it. We'll do it. <laughs> hey, you first. It was like the first time I kissed you. The butterflies I got, and also a huge wave of sadness. <laughs> because I think that that may be the last time you let me kiss you. Hmm. And I don't want it to be the last. So, but I really hurt you. Ten years. Never made a change. That was very sad sounding. I know. This has been a really heavy two days. How do you feel? That's what I went through in literally a 10 second period. I felt sad, I think. And I felt... A lot of sadness. Why? I feel just pulled in two directions. The The part of me that knows that I think part of me underlying probably would have stayed forever. I would have let you continue to hurt me to some extent. As much as that's hard to admit and so vulnerable to say. But then the other part of me knows that like I could not live like this forever. Yeah, I'm really glad that you didn't 
go with the part that was like, oh, I'll just put up with this forever because I couldn't, one, I couldn't do it. One, it was, you were, you're living in, in a manner that nobody should, and I'm putting you there. Uh, and two, had you stayed, um, I would have kept fucking up my own Correct. life and I myself would be so unhappy. Yeah, I agree. Um, just because of me. Like, I've never been happy with me. Um, so I'm, I'm, I never wanted this to happen, but I'm really thankful that you, you made that commitment to yourself and not to the relationship. I'm sorry if at any point you felt like I was belittling you. No, I didn't. I mean, I'm sure, I, I mean, I know I was to some extent and I think maybe we don't even notice it anymore or recognize it because it's become so passive in the last like two months for us, even in the past six months. No, I get it. You're still grieving. I'm just sad and angry. Yeah, you're still grieving. So. And I, it's only been two months. Like even. we've been 10 years together. We both just agreed that we're probably, we're soulmates, or at least we think we are. I need a new one. And so, <laughs> yeah, there's no way you're going to, either of us are going to get over this in two months. No, it'll take time. Time heals all wounds. Yeah. Thanks for being a guest. Thank you. What can, you're going to have to tell me what type of chapstick you use because it's really better than you're mine. Annoying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. But thank you again for having me on. I also, if anyone keeps giving you shit that like stuff is your fault and you keep having to find, if, if you keep finding yourself having to defend that it wasn't your fault, uh, let me know. I'll be because, honest. I think I'm at the point with this where like just that level of just emotional unawareness is just, I'm not even going to give it the space. Good. It's good. just not even worth it. Like I just, in hindsight, there's so much stupidity stemmed there and like just really deep undertones of grotesque. Ugh, no, thanks. I can't. I'm not even going to get into it because it's not pretty, but Good. It's the answer that I was hoping you were going to give because yeah. in my opinion, that's stupid. That That's a level of ignorance and stupid that you can't fix and it's almost not worth the effort. No, but no, thank you for being a guest. Thank you for, this was a wild couple of hours of just deep diving and I'm sure there's so much more people want to ask about and maybe I'll have you back and we'll talk about some other cool shit, but. I thought there were three or did we squeeze both of that in, into one? Into two. Episodes? I know people okay. want to hear about like raising a medically complex kid and things like that, that we could probably talk about together. So we'll get to that at some point, but yeah. I want to do some risky shit and live my best life on this podcast because everyone already thinks that I'm a psychopath. <laughs> thank you b you're welcome and uh i hope i can provide value to your podcast at another time so always i had a lot of fun doing this so thank you thank you dude